Dear listener, I am re- I am re-recording this opening so you can understand uh, my commentary about Mata Hoople is going to sound really dumb because I'm just reading the just, <laughs> the, the ro- what Rolling Stone wrote about them and uh, my commentary is spot fucking on that it's not even funny. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but oh my god, it's so dumb. <laughs> I'm so dumb, dear listener. Anyway, have fun listening to my first impressions, and you can hear my frustration about this band uh, without knowing any of the background history. That's really funny. Anyway. <laughs> Hello and welcome. You are listening to Goat or Go, the comprehensive and slightly opinionated look at the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time. I'm your host, Wendy K. Uh, let's just, ju- let's dive into some good tunes. I'm still trying to figure out a tagline, if you haven't noticed, so comment below. <laughs> Let me know uh, what tagline I should be using for this podcast. I will get there eventually. So today we are looking at spot number 491, and uh, for this list, we have Harry Styles' Fine Line from 2019. We have The Return of Albert King and Born Under a Bad Sign, and joining us today is Mott the Hoople with All the Young Dudes from 1972. So let's start with Harry Styles' Fine Line, shall we? So Fine Line came out in the latter half of 2019, and this album probably has a lot of radio play. I know that a couple of the singles were hitting the Billboard Hot 100 during the pandemic, but this album is only on the 2020 list, and this is probably the latest addition to the Rolling Stone list that is feasible for the 2020 list. So here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Fine Line. Harry Styles achieved pop greatness with One Direction, but he got even deeper on his own. On Fine Line, he stakes his claim as one of his generation's most savagely imaginative musical minds. Styles breathes in the 70s California sunshine of his heroes, Joni Mitchell, David Bowie, Stevie Nicks, with soulful breakup songs. As he explained, it's all about having sex and feeling sad. Yet the music is drenched in Starman joy, the shroomadelic guitar trip, she, and the dulcinea-crazed Canyon Moon, the number one juice fruit beach orgy watermelon sugar. This is a, f- this is a great description of Fine Line. I'm not gonna lie. This is, <laughs> this is really fun. I first want to talk about I want to talk about Harry Styles for just a hot second. His relationship to pop music, because I have grown up listening to Harry Styles. Whether I intended it or not, it was forced upon me. And, (laughs) you know, it was really hard to escape One Direction. They were huge. I think it's very hard to imagine you could not, you could not escape listening to One Direction. Like, the song What Makes You Beautiful like, I probably know, off of the top of my head, probably ten One Direction songs. I might know the lyrics to all of them. Does that make me a One Directioner? 
No. I never really got into them. They were around when I was in high school, and then they broke up, for better or worse, probably better. There was a lot of speculation online, like, who was going to be the biggest person out of One Direction to really sort of find their foothold and be able to grow their music careers out of the boy band. I remember there was a joke from a What Makes You Beautiful parody song years ago, and the line was, one of us is going to be the Justin. I think it's me. And turns out the person who was singing that line was not the Justin. The Justin of One Direction, probably, I would say, is Harry Styles. Actually, no, the Justin of One Direction is probably Zayn. Harry, I fully embrace the craftsmanship that he brings to his music. I didn't listen to his first album, I'm going to be completely honest. I just gotta say, I really love this album. (laughs) I have listened to this album a lot, and the first song that I listened to was Canyon Moon. I was surprised at how fun that song was, and also it just, it gave me such an intense feeling of like, like in California, like in order to get literally anywhere, you have to drive. And so I just imagine listening to the song while driving on um, the Pacific Coast Highway. It's just like you're going, you're going on an adventure. You're just, you don't care about where you're going. You're just having a good time. So I really feel like Rolling Stone talking about this sort of like shroomadelic 1970s California guitar rock. I can definitely see the influence of that. It is, this album feels mature for a guy who was in a boy band in a way that doesn't feel like, like, yes, it's sexual, but I don't feel like it's, I feel like it has a more mature relationship when it comes to the people that he's, that Harry's singing about. Like, it's not all just about sex, even though sex is a very big component of it. Like, there's a lot of other things going on, and I think it's really great to hear a male artist singing about, like, heartbreak in, a, in this way. And also just having fun with sex. Like, Watermelon Sugar is a fucking great song. It's so fun. So one of the singles that that came off this album and then rose to number one was Adore You. And while it's a fine song, it's nothing compared to the music video. The music video if you have never seen it, includes this CGI fish. And uh, (laughs) there was this viral post going around online, I think I saw it on Tumblr, where someone was trying to have the discourse about there was probably animal abuse happening with the CGI fish because this person didn't see this fish as um, a fish. So there was that fucking great moment. So anytime I think about Adore You, I keep, I think back to the, di- the, to the discord about that fish. Um, it's great. But this album, I would also say, this album is a little bit long. And I would say the track placement be a little bit better. And the tone of the album also changes a little bit. One of the things in Fine Line is like this, especially this trio of songs that really stand out to me about heartache and breakups and the sense of longing and also this feeling of hurt and shame. So back to back to back, we have Cherry, then we have Falling, and then we have To Be So Lonely. So one thing that stood out to me while listening to this album was Cherry and Falling have a great narrative going on with them. Like they feed into each other 
in what I call the I'm crying in the club song. (laughs) The pain about this relationship and the hurt is so apparent in these songs, and it's just like, it's brutal. It is so fucking brutal. Especially Falling. Falling is a hard song to listen to a couple of times. They play off of each other so well. And then we dive into To Be So Lonely, which is kind of a jauntier and maybe a little more sarcastic and a more bitter tone when it comes to the breakup. But one thing I didn't notice was the way that Harry talks about the relationship. First, it goes from don't call the new guy that you're seeing baby. Because baby, to me, is what you used to call me. And it hurts to hear you call somebody else that. But then in To Be So Lonely, the significant other, or new person, I'm not quite sure, is calling him baby. Either as a way of trying to get back with him, or it's a reminder of that person and what the signifier of baby was. So I'm not quite sure in the songs in which your significant other calls somebody or yourself baby, I'm not sure which one really needs to go. It's so weird to me that they're only separated by one song, but their contents are very similar to each other. Like, I do love both of these songs, don't get me wrong. Like, they're very great songs. Having both of them on the album maybe lessens it just a tiny bit. So I have a problem with Fine Line as a song. I think it's such a weird way of ending the album. It doesn't feel quite as strong as where we start off the album, which is Golden. Golden feels... It's such a powerhouse of a song. Like, it just is rocking immediately. It's so fun. I I really do love Golden. But one thing I realized was the ending of Cherry has, like, this sort of interesting sort of spooky (laughs) kind of ghostly presence. I'm not sure if it's, like, remembering this, this significant other and, like, making it kind of a spooky or ghosty kind of thing is it maybe shows like this relationship is dead and that same spooky tone or that same feeling is in fine line so i wonder if it would have been better if you would have cherry then fine line then falling then to be so lonely as the track listings those are just my thoughts i'm not the biggest fan of fine line if i had to end the album probably ended with treat people with kindness But the tone of it is very different from the rest of the album. Like, it's so happy. It reminds me of a Beatles song. (laughs) Especially with the All Together Now. But also, like, that tone isn't exactly the same as the rest of the 70s California rock that Harry Styles is kind of going for. So, songs that I really love... And that stand out to me a whole lot. Besides, like, the weird spooky moment in Cherry, I've never noticed that there was the backing electric guitar in Cherry to build up to the ending. Especially, like, the visceral, like, yell, scream, cry of agony, whatever that is, near the end of that song. Like, it helps underscore, like, the pain. 
that Harry is singing about, which I appreciate. This album has a lot of different instrumental bits to it that really add things to it and bring a lot of depth to it. So, like, there's the electric guitar. I really love the cello in To Be So Lonely. I think it's, like, it adds a great sound to it. I can't really describe it, but it adds a really great depth to it. I really like this album. This album is on my Spotify, and I listen to it a couple of times every so often. Like, it's just a mood. It's such a fun album to go back and listen to. And should I listen to Harry Styles' other stuff? I've listened to Kiwi once, and I was like, this is just okay. But I feel like this album in particular, like, I liked it a whole lot. I think it's great. You know what? I will say this. One Directioners, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to go through so much shit. I hope you're happy with this transition of everybody in the band doing their own solo projects and things. And I hope you really like the direction that Harry's going with. Like, he's clearly inspired by some really great artists, and his music's really nice. Like, good for you guys. You picked some good boys to follow around. So the second album is actually one that I've actually covered before, and that is Albert King's Born Under a Bad Sign. So here's what Rolling Stone had to say. King's first album for the Stax label combines his hard, unflashy guitar playing with the sleek sound of the label's house band Booker T and the MGs. Hits such as Crosscut Saw and Laundromat Blues earn King a new rock and roll audience. Awesome. I don't have a lot of notes about Albert King. I know this is going to be a very Harry Styles and Mont the Hoople episode. I just want to say... The last time that I reviewed Albert King, he was beat out by B.B. King, so the King against King. I will say, folks, if I was disappointed in his album the first time around I listened to it, I came back to this album and it grew on me. It really grew on me. I don't know what, what clicked about it, but every track sort of felt like it kind of fit together really neatly, and the sound of it, I just like... I'm going to keep this album around, because it's just... Oh, if you want to listen to my first commentary on 499, I would go for it. You can hear my first impressions about it. But this was a great album to come back to. I listened to this one directly after listening to Fine Line, and... I don't know, there was something really nice about being able to return to this album that, you know, I may have had mixed feelings about. But it's re it's really grown on me, like the sound of it all. The style of music is really good. The stuff that he sings about is really fun. Hunter's still a standout song for me. I really, I still really like Hunter. It's so, this song is really playful. It's really, it's really interesting. So finally, I want to talk about Mott the Hoople, All the Young Dudes from 1972. And this album is also number 484 in 2012. Now the other thing about them is... Their album, Mott, is also number 370 and 366. They are not included in 2020. So I have no idea who Mott the Hoople is. I don't know what their sound was going to be like. Their band title is really fun. I'm, I'm just going to say, these guys, these guys remind me of other bands. I wrote it down that I said... Mott the Hoople is if the Velvet Underground had Mick Jagger as a singer. Like, it doesn't help their case that one of the first songs that they sing is a cover of Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground. Now, I've listened to a couple of things by the Velvet Underground, 
And um, I really love the album Transformer by Lute Reed, which I will get to at some point because it is on this list. Spoiler alert. This album is fine, but it just kind of makes me think that I am listening to a Velvet Underground's um, album. There's nothing bad about them. Like, I will say the transition from a couple of songs to the other is not that great. Like, it's so, so weird. And while they do have interesting different audio effects, like in One of the Boys, where it goes from, like, really, really quiet to really loud, is okay. It's a fun, it's a fun little audio effect. I don't know exactly what they were trying to accomplish with it. These guys also have the problem of the song that ends the album isn't the song that should be ending the album. It's so interesting to be going through this list, dear listener, because this really shows me, and this really tells me that, like, artists don't know how to stick the landing of an album. Like, it's really hard to end on a really good lasting note that will, like, leave a good impression with the, with the listener. So it's really funny to me how many bands I'm gonna find, like, maybe the second to last song or the third to last song or whatever should be the album closer, but it's not. And so it just kind of leaves me, as a listener, just kind of confused as to what I'm supposed to take away from this band. See, Dever is the last true song on the album. It also reminds me, like, this is a Bowie song. <laughs> just the way that it sounds, I'm like, I can I can see David Bowie doing a good cover of this song. Or it just could have been one of his songs. You know, no harm, no foul. Could have been his. Yeah, if you're a fan of Mott the Hoople, power to you. I can see their appeal in this sort of, this soft psychedelic rock from the 70s. But I'm not sure if I'm gonna enjoy them, unless they transition to a different direction, similar to Bonnie Raitt. But we'll get back to Mott the Hoople when I cover their album Mott. But for now, if I had to pick the greatest of all time album off of the three that I've talked about so far. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I know this is probably going to come as a shock, but for the majority of the time that I've been talking about, I'm actually going to go with Albert King Born Under a Bad Sign. I'm shocked as well, just as much as everyone else. (laughs) So I'm going to pick Albert King because I kind of feel bad for dissing him, (laughs) not going to lie. And I know that I've been able to sort of like have Born Under a Bad Sign, reintroduced, like, the re-listen, I think, was so key to really liking this album, and I can definitely see myself listening to this album more often. Don't underestimate me, folks. I really do like Fine Line, and that I think that album is also a greatest of all time. Like, I'm so excited by what Harry Styles is going to do next. Whatever, whatever his progression as an artist, I'm like, I am all for it. I'm now a stan. He is bringing something to pop music that I think few artists are doing. So, where I would like to put Born Under a Bad Sign, I think that Born Under a Bad Sign is actually going to go right underneath Gira and just above the indestructible beat of Soweto. So, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, remember to follow me on social media, or to contribute to my Patreon. We're going to have more episodes coming in the future, and DJ, let's drop that track. Here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Mott the Hoople, All the Young Dudes. Mott was the diehard band... Oh. 
Mott was the diehard band with a Dylan fixation until David Bowie got a hold of them. He penned the androgyny title term. Oh! Oh, that that changes everything. Oh, that's exciting. Wow, I'm dumb. That's so funny. I didn't read this before I did my... <laughs> anyway, here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Mott the Hoople, all the young dudes. Mott was a die... Mott was a hard rock band with a Dylan fixation until David Bowie got a hold of them. He penned the androgyny title track and had them cover Lou Reed's Sweet Jane. Mott would sound more soulful, but never more sexy or glittery. Goat or Go is a podcast created and hosted by me, Wendy Kay. I also edit the podcast. Original artwork is by Paige A. Special thanks to the entire Rolling Stone magazine writing team. Without you, there wouldn't be this podcast. Follow the podcast on social media, Goat or Go Pod. If you want to support the show on Patreon, link is in the show notes. Thank you so much, music lovers. Keep on listening, and I'll see you next week.